listener production. Are we ready? Always. <clears throat> oh, I've been waiting to do this all week. Oh? I hope you get it. Uncut Jams. I do get it. I was just asked his mills. I've been saying it all week. Okay, everyone. I can't believe Jacob knows a current pop cultural thing. Yeah, someone explained it to me on the weekend. The real test is if Caleb would know it. He would have no idea what I'm saying. (laughs) He hasn't even said anything. And I've been walking around the house going, If you don't know what we're talking about, everyone, you need to Google um, Julia. Is it Julia or Julie? Julia. Mm-hmm. Julia Fox. It's the girl who dated Kanye. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Julia Fox, Uncut Gems. Mm-hmm. She did an interview that has gone viral because of the way she says Uncut Gems. Yeah. Uncut Gems. She's like super LA to begin with and uncut then apparently jam. she was really stoned. So it's well, like yeah, she said, just wasn't working. She's so cool. Every, everyone was making fun of her on Instagram and stuff and she goes, guys, give me a break. I was really high. <laughs> Like, I love it when people just lean yeah, into yeah. their embarrassing moments. Yeah, totally. Anyway. Iconic. Take it away, mate. Uncacha. Just a Adonis. Oh, welcome back, listeners, for another episode of Just the Gist, a weekly-ish podcast in which Rosie Waterland and I, Jacob Stanley, give you just the gist of what you need to know about a story we think you'll find worthy of sharing at a dinner party. And we are coming to you from Canberra, where we are under siege we in are the studio. under siege. Okay, guys, <laughs> so there's that freedom convoy, mm. the people driving around in their cars, and, and they were sleeping on the steps of Parliament House, but they got kicked away. They're basically anti-vaxxers. Mm. We will not poison our children, people. And because we come here to, we've come here to record in Canberra at the radio studio. So they just apparently come here all the time and stand Mm. out the front with a megaphone yelling into the radio building, not realizing that all radio buildings are soundproof. (laughs) So, but how crazy was it when we were walking here? Oh my goodness. We arrived here at the perfect time because we overtook them on the road. On the road, yeah. And we're already kind of titillated by the fact that we got to see them in action as they're making their way around the city with their flags and their yeah. placards and everything. Um, and then we got out of the car and came to walk in the studio just as they arrived, honking their honking, horns. And honking, P.S. There's like 12 of them. Yeah, there's not, not many. <laughs> but when they all honk, boy. it's like, you know, a mm. bit of a bit of a scene. Yeah, yeah. And then we walked past this guy with a megaphone and he was going, um, no vaccinations. They are poison. Even taking one will clot your blood. Just one. What were they saying? Smack. Smaxine. One smaxine. One dose and you're hooked. Do not poison our children. Listen to us, media. And we just started giggling yeah. <laughs> uncontrollably and then came inside. And Jacob oh. asked the guy who let us in, oh, is this the first time they've been here? And what did he do? Oh, he just went, no. No. <laughs> They must come here like every day. Where else are they going? Maybe they also go to like, if there's local TV, like they'd probably also go to Channel 10 or whatever, stand Mm. outside. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Yeah. And they look exactly like you would expect. They really do. Like they've got a lot of time on their hands. They look like the people who um, uh, did the protest at the... um, on January 6th oh, the of the Capitol in the mm. US. They look kind of like that, a bit dirty, haven't mm. showered in a few days. Mm. 
definitely some Mullumbimby vibes. Definite Mullumbimby vibe. No mm. offence to people in Mullumbimby, but also why do you live there? You know what if, we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, come on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, it was all a bit exciting and we're in Canberra because our show's tomorrow night. Yes. Well, when you listen to this, it will have been last, last night. night. Mm. Um, so, yeah, we're here. We did a bit of practice in the theatre this morning. Um, got to see the local Canberra Freedom Freaks and now we're recording. All right, you ready for breaking news? Take it away. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> breaking news, breaking news. I got the scoop, I see. Extra, extra, read all about it. Breaking news. It's coming down the wire. Okay, 1,000 million people have messaged us, emailed us, tagged us. Our genius idea to do a dirty wordle has already been done. It's mm, called Loodle, yeah. which is so clever. Yep. Mm-hmm. And, like, there is words like penis and <laughs> moist and stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, can't believe it. Mm, oh, shame. Shame. That was but a million-dollar idea. Yeah. But, yeah, good for them. I love that there are other people whose first instinct was to go, <laughs> let's do one where you can do poopy. <laughs> <laughs> Because Wordle's dead. It's officially dead. Oh, no, it's not. In the last week, no one does it anymore. Everyone hates it. No, I haven't given up. Mm. Well, they just join Loodle. Oh, I'm doing both. Are you doing both? What was the Loodle today? I haven't done it yet. Oh, Mm. well, I wonder, I mean, how many lewd words are there really? There are so many that I want to play with, but wrong number of letters. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I feel like the novelty might wear off. Yeah. A How bit many five-letter lewd words can there possibly be? Poopy. And I'm using them in normal wordle anyway. Poopy, penis, moist. Wanky. Wanky. Uh, uh, <laughs> we're tapped out. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. Game over. <laughs> oh, we okay. both have brain fog right we now. We really well. both have brain fog right now. It's the dancing. It's the Canberra. It's all of the things. Um. Okay, so I'm dying this week over. I think the Olympics are finished now, aren't they? The Winter Olympics. They've been going on this whole time. Yeah, okay. there's been Olympics happening. Mm-hmm. The Winter Olympics. Yep. And there was a lot of controversy because apparently in China right now, it's like way colder than usual, like mm-hmm. outside for the skiing events and stuff. And they were trying to get them to put events later in the day. So maybe it had time to warm up because it was just like, too cold, mm-hmm. even for Olympic skiers. Mm-hmm. Um, but this one guy was doing like the 30 kilometer or 50 kilometer like cross country ski event. Mm-hmm. And when he got to the end, he had a frozen penis. <gasps> um, he had a frozen oh. penis. Oh. So, like, he got to the end, and there's footage <sighs> of him like crossing the finish line with both his hands, like holding <gasps> onto his PP. And then apparently like um, they, his team ran over and they were putting like warm blankets on it and he had to like um, go and get in like a warm bath and apparently it's fine. It goes back to normal. And I looked it up. It's quite, it happens quite common, commonly to cross-country skiers. <gasps> you get a frozen wee-wee. Peen-peen. That's... A fro-fro pee-pee. <laughs> a popsicle. <laughs> a popsicle. A peensicle. <laughs> you get a peensicle. <laughs> come up with a solution for that? But what I don't understand is why that and not, like, your hands or your nose? I'm guessing, like, 
they have gloves, they have shoes, they just haven't. Is it because while you're skiing, it's kind of right there because the ski suits are very light because you're doing a cross country long ski, so you can't be in big heavy gear. You're in kind of like lycra thermal whatever. Mm-hmm. And so if it's just right there and the wind's just icy wind is coming at it, I guess it froze, freezes. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently it's not the first time it happened to that particular guy either. I don't need answers. I'm not going to be asking <laughs> questions about this. I don't need to know any further information. There you go. Could, they, could they fix it? Well, yeah, they oh. said they just so like warm water and back to back to normal. Okay. I thought he might have to grow a new one on his arm. Oh, yeah. Oh, we still don't have an update on that I guy. I know. Every month or so I Google. Remind nothing. me, yeah, because I check every now and again too. Um, oh, the other big news, Britney Spears has signed a $15 million book deal. Yeah, mofos. Yeah, girl. Get it, girl. I'm so excited. Mm-hmm. Tea is going to spill, going to spill, going to spill. It's going to be so much better than Jamie Lynn's stupid book. Oh, yeah. Forget that garbage. I really hope, I'm sure they will get someone with a Louisiana accent to read the audio book. <laughs> she should read it. Oh, that would be ideal. I hope she yes. would read it. Yeah. Jessica Simpson was really good at reading hers. Yeah, yeah. And Mariah Carey. Yeah. She uh, nails hers because she keeps breaking into song and giggling I the whole listened. way through. It's, it's really fun. Um, yeah, I can't wait. Yeah. And, they, you know, she'll have a ghostwriter help her. Mm piece it all together. Although maybe just let her do one of her long stream of consciousness Instagram captions, but a book, Mm. just book length. Yeah. I get the feeling (laughs) considering she's been handled and managed and controlled for so long, she's going to be like, I've got this. Thank you. Get away from the keyboard. This is all me. Mm. (gasps) Oh my God. I'm so excited. I hope it's soon. I hope it doesn't take too long. I hope she's not like you. What do you mean? Taking three years to write a book. Don't remind (laughs) my publisher if they're listening. They don't need reminding that that little due date's a little in the rearview mirror, okay? Okay. Okay. I received my comments. Um, Okay, the final bit of news is like a cool, like, Gen Z thing that I don't quite understand, but it's been all over the news this week. So we need to understand, like, we need to chat about it, get mm-hmm. our heads around it. Apparently, we're about to go through something monumental called a vibe shift. Uh-huh. A vibe shift. Mm-hmm. So a vibe shift is when the current kind of what was the current cool pop cultural vibe mm. suddenly shifts into something new. And if you are of a certain age, you just miss the vibe shift uh-huh. and you never shift with it. Okay. And so we are probably going to not shift with it. They're saying the vibe shift is kind of going into euphoria-like territory. Okay. That's the new kind okay. of it girl vibe is like girls from euphoria. Uh-huh. And, you know, when we were young, it was like girls from the OC and then that kind of vibe shifted into like... Mean girls. Yeah, and then into like gossip girl uh-huh. and then everyone kind of vibe shifted into that weird Veronica phase where we all had the mullet fringe and punky clothes um. and then we vibe shifted into like skinny jeans and now we're vi- like we're vibe shifting the the, sh- the shifting is happening it's happening right now uh-huh it's a cultural mo- like monumental moment 
and apparently only only cool people shift with the vibe. They ride the wave. Yeah. And like being more specific because still haven't seen any of Euphoria, mm. including that episode you told us to. Yeah. What does that mean? Well, the Euphoria kids are like it's an it's an aesthetic. It's really hard to describe. Mm. It's like an aesthetic. It's a feeling. It's a mood. And it's heading towards that, and we just don't get it. We're so I can't even really describe, describe it to no, you because we can't pick up on it. because we're not we're not shifting with the vibe. Mm. It's shifting without us. We're like a good four or five vibes back I in the past. I think we are. Mm. I really think we are. Yeah, I'm okay so with that. The That's vibe, what means I'm really old that I'm okay with that. Yeah, we're, we're going through a vibe shift. I'm not even sure if it's shifted. Is it over? I don't know. <laughs> I just read it was happening. Mm. So everyone, if you are not aware of the vibe shift, it's kind of like if if you don't get it, then you don't get it. Yeah. If you don't know, you don't know. So if, if you're you don't not care, you don't care. If you're not aware of the vibe shift, then you don't get the vibe. Mm-hmm. Rest in peace. To you. <laughs> Rest in peace, our youth. Yeah. <laughs> and that's it. That's all. That's all the breaking news I have for you. Do 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 do. Uh huh. Frozen penises, vibes shifting. It's all happening. It's always such a broad spectrum yeah. with you. I try to keep it. I can't, I try to keep you on your toes, keep it fresh. Like you never know what I'm going to bring. Really. Yeah. Fun. Well, should we get into a story? Yes, please. Your turn. Yes. All right. <clears throat> all right. So this. Oh, I really thought you were going to go. Uncle John. Uncle John. Uncle John. Uncle John. Uncle John. Uncle John. I can't stop doing it. Oh. It's addictive. Once you start, everyone, okay, everyone, where, no matter where you are, in the car, walking, at home, whatever, do it right now with us. Ready? Uncle Tom. Now tell me that you don't want to do it 10 more times. You do. <laughs> as soon as you say it, you want to do it 10 more times. Anyway. Play with the inflection. She, Julia Fox is the vibe. She is the vibe. That is how I describe the vibe. Oh. Absolutely her. She is the new vibe. If Blake Lively is the old vibe, she is the new vibe. Okay. Just her aesthetic, the way she is, the her, the way she looks, the way she acts, the way she treats fame as kind of funny, the way she's kind of like takes the pit. I don't know. She's the new vibe. Okay. She is the new vibe. Got it. So away from sincerity, more towards irony. I don't know, I guess. Okay. I don't really understand it. We're not young anymore. I shouldn't try. I shouldn't try. It's, it, she's the new vibe. My story. <laughs> Get to the story. Yes. All right. So in the early 1970s, mm-hmm. there was an anthropologist who had a bit of a god complex, and he came up with this idea for an experiment to try to learn why people are violent. And this concept he came up with it was very audacious, super risky, and very unethical. But it was the 70s, so mm. he got the go ahead, and he proceeded to run this ridiculous experiment, which involved putting 11 people, himself included, mm. on a small raft, and they drifted across the Atlantic Ocean, just floating with the current for three full months, just to see if they'd want to kill each other. Exactly. <laughs> and called it the Peace Project, but by the time they landed on the other side, the entire world was calling it the Sex Raft (gasps) or the Orgy Raft. Did they have orgies? (laughs) Oh, what? Oh, my God. So this is the story of the 1973 Sex Raft expedition. Mm -hmm. Isn't it crazy the kind of stuff medical people used to be allowed to, (laughs) like, experiment 
with and do to people. Mm-hmm. It's crazy what yeah. they used to be allowed to do. Standards of ethics, especially in the 70s, were so loose. Oh, what a shame it's changed. Yeah. Oh, my God. Okay. Okay. Sex raft and violence and all. Oh, my. Well, let's go. <laughs> okay. All right. So the anthropologist's name was Santiago Genovese. Mm-hmm. He was a Spanish man who lived in Mexico. He worked at one of their biggest universities there. And you Everyone is going to absolutely hate him. I'll okay. tell you up front. He's one of the worst guys I've ever spoken about. Okay. Um, his area of study was war, conflict and violence. And he was working pretty hard to understand why humans fight. Is it biological? Do we mm. have inbuilt genetic impulses? Or is it a cultural thing or an individual thing? And he started imagining an experiment where he'd take a small group of people who represented the quote-unquote real world yeah, and he'd put them in a small space for an extended period of time, keep them very isolated, put them under stress and then see how they behaved, what their triggers were. Mm. Um, And you're probably thinking... This sounds like a reality TV show. Oh, I was thinking it sounds like my childhood, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it does sound like a reality TV show. Just put people in a messed right? up situation and see what happens. Yes. That they can't leave and see what happens. Yeah. yeah. I saw the first few seasons of Unreal mm. and the people who were behind the scenes yeah. pulling the strings. like It's absolutely what's happening on MAFS right now. Like mm. the executive producer of MAFS, oh, I, I wish I could remember her name, but she, uh, she is a genius and she's done a bunch of interviews recently um, just about the new series, which started a couple of weeks ago. I'm already mm. obsessed with it. And she was like, look, yeah, I'm not going to insult the audience and say that everyone's looking for love, but we did want people who were excited to be on TV mm. and who, you know, if they found love, that'd be a nice byproduct. Yep. But basically we wanted people that who would react in the best ways while they're stuck in this thing and mm. we're pulling the strings. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's the whole point of the yeah. medium, right? Yeah, yeah, totally. Oh, wow. So he did it as science. Now we just do it as Correct. TV. Yes. <laughs> but he did it as science. Well, quote, unquote, science. Yeah. Because his methods were really questionable. Okay. But he designed the experiment with the full support of his university. Yeah. And he started playing around with the idea of putting the participants on a raft because he himself had been part of a study earlier on in his career where he and another small group of people tried to sail across the Atlantic Ocean on a boat that was like a perfect replica of an ancient Egyptian boat made out of reeds. Mm-hmm. They were trying to see if the ancient Egyptians could travel Actually internationally. Actually yeah. Yeah. Um, that gave him the idea to put people on mm. a crude vessel in the ocean to study them because he knew how stressful it was because when he was on one of those boats, it fell apart in the middle of the ocean. They had to be rescued by oh, okay. helicopters. Yeah. Um, that didn't dissuade him. He still thought it was a really good idea. Let's get people on a raft. Well, it really is the ultimate place that you cannot escape, isn't That's it? That's right. You can't. It's not like if you locked them in a basement for a few weeks, they could just knock on the door and say, I'm done. Let mm-hmm. me out. But when you're on a raft. Yep, there's no walking away. <laughs> and there was no um, dinghy or any other sort of <gasps> vessel that they could escape Just in. a raft. Just a raft. No motor. How, yeah, describe the raft. Um, by all means, go ahead and Google it to see a picture. It's basically a big metal box. So it's kind Ooh, of a metal. rectangle shape. Yeah, he had it specially made by professionals yeah. in the UK. Um, it's 12 metres long and oh. 7 metres wide. That's quite big. Yeah, like that's well, quite. I mean, when you think of a raft, when I think of a raft, I think of a cartoon raft with like some logs tied together mm. with string, and it's like the size of a you know boogie board. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so this is like it's quite 
12 by 7 metres. Not small. No, but there was a cabin that was four metres by four metres. They all had to sleep in there. Uh, And we're talking about 11 people sleeping in there. So they were on top of each other Mm. at night constantly. And then the surrounding area of the cabin was the deck. So that was all quite narrow. Right. Okay. So there isn't a lot of room to move around. No, no. And it was intended that they would be in each other's space all the time. So worst nightmare. This is my worst nightmare. Zero (laughs) privacy, very intentionally. So even the toilet was just a plank hanging out off the side of the room (laughs) with a hole cut in it. So you had to go out, sit on the plank, get all sorts of water splashing up in your business. No, like walls of any sort, just a handrail because you wanted people to be completely uninhibited. Don't you want to try, wouldn't you want to just test that toilet out just once though? Like literally just sitting on a plank with a hole in it over the ocean, just letting it rip? I don't know. It wasn't that easy. A lot of them were really constipated for the first few weeks. Well, I tell you what, you clam up, like you close up shop when, Mm. like when you know people are watching, like I remember I did cadets in high school, which is like camping pretending to be in the army. It's actually kind of messed up, but it was mainly just camping in the bush. Mm. And um, we would have to, when we were away from the base camp, like really out camping in the middle of the bush, you know, you had a dedicated, you walked about 20 metres away from the site and Mm. there's a hole and you just, you dig a hole and you squat and you go and then you cover the hole and that's it. And everyone got really constipated because there's something in your brain that doesn't let you go when you you're in the open and you feel like people can see you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's such a moment of vulnerability. I think so. And also, also like physiologically on a deeper level, your body, it's instinctually can't relax. It feels like like back to our caveman days. You need to be on alert and you can't when you're out in the open. Yeah, 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 yeah. That makes sense. But still, I would want to try and poo (laughs) into a hole over the ocean. (laughs) I just think that sounds really... Just once. <laughs> they got used to it in the end. Um. So is it just a pl- is it just plain metal? There's no. They had put some decorations on it. So they got some decorations. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um. The vessel once it was complete, they called it a kali, which is a um Aztec word for house on the water. Okay. And so they designed it with all these Aztec. Oh, okay. So there's some. Um, it's not just like sad metal sounding like a jail cell on the ocean. Like it's there's some. Yeah, they, they added Bells some aesthetic and touches. In okay. fact, the sail was multicolored and oh, beautiful. Because you've got nice. to keep in mind, this is the hippie era as well. Of course. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, all about free love and expression. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, being on the ocean, perfect way to create a situation where people cannot escape. Yeah. So they psychologically, they feel trapped. And then he wanted to make sure that the daily circumstances were quite difficult as well mm. to create tensions within the group. So. I well, just being on a raft, yeah. even not being able to go to the toilet without yeah, people yeah. watching you. Like he wanted everything to be difficult. And you them. wouldn't be getting good sleep, so you'd be exhausted. Yep. What did they eat? They took plenty of food with them and okay. then they did lots of fishing as well. Right, okay. And they took heaps of booze and cigarettes <gasps> Oh, I was going to well. say. So they had luxuries. They didn't have, like, you don't get to, you just want to drink. Mm. Oh, so they can drink. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. The entire hull was basically filled with Things are looking up. goodies they wanted. <laughs> well, he wanted them drunk because he wanted to see what happened when their uh, inhibitions were down. People get, like, belligerent and all kinds of things. Yeah, all Ooh, horny. this is all, all horny. Yeah. Oh, of course. Yeah. Okay. 
But he had this genuine belief if he could diagnose what the root cause of violence and aggression is, mm. then they'd be able to find a cure and ultimately he was going to create world peace. A cure for violence. Experiment. Yep. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so he started with a few hypotheses. The mm-hmm. first one was that males would fight each other over access to the females when they were ovulating because <laughs> that had been observed in other primates. He thought for sure when the women started ovulating, the men were going to start punching each other. He also had a deep-rooted belief that the conflict would mostly be driven by racial and cultural differences mm. between the group. Um, and he also thought that males would be intrinsically incapable of following the instructions of women. So he designed mm. the experiment to put women in the position of power and then he was going to just sit back and wait and see when the men tried to usurp. Yeah, he's not women. wrong. <laughs> he's not wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's, we'll see what happens. It's easy to go, oh, he's so sexist, but it's like it's true. Yeah. Men wouldn't follow their instructions. So mm. that's kind of clever. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> as we'll see. Okay. Oh, my God. Okay. Um. Yeah, and like I said, everyone was in close proximity to each other all the time. Did he go? Yes. Oh, so he was there as well. That's okay. right, yeah. Um, while the raft was being built, mm. once they'd sent off the specs for that, Santiago got to work finding the ideal participants mm. for the study and he wanted a representation of different countries, different cultures from around the world. So he yeah. advertised in just about every country in their local newspapers. And the ad was very vague, very basic. It just said, we're looking for volunteers to sail across the Atlantic for three months. Mm. We want males, we want females, 25 to 40 years old, preferably married, but your spouse will not be coming with you. Send us a letter if you're keen. That was all. Why preferably married? They wanted people who had something back home that they would miss. So it would make the journey more difficult. They didn't have to be married. Not everyone ended up being married, but they wanted people who had something connection back home, whether that was kids or a partner. Yeah, okay. So that it was hard to be away from them. Okay. Yeah. He got hundreds, thousands of applications Ah. from all around the world and then they whittled that down to a short list. People were really curious about that vague Mm. ad and wanted to know more information. And then when they found out what it actually involved, they definitely wanted to be a part of it. Is it paid? No. Oh. I think he paid the captain, but for everyone else, they were a volunteer. Wow. And a very willing volunteer. Like, they believed they were part of something that was going to lead to world peace. Well, people in, yeah, it was the 70s. They yeah. Were hippies. Very idealistic. Yeah. And also, it just sounded like a really fun adventure yeah, to yeah. a lot of them. Um, he had some very strict selection criteria. Mm-hmm. So, he chose the crew very strategically. He wanted to get people from different cultures who spoke different languages. He mm-hmm. thought that was going to cause tension, wanted different races. So there was a Japanese man, a black woman, a Middle Eastern woman, wanted the rainbow. Yeah. And he also wanted different religions. So he made sure he had an Israeli Jew, an Algerian Muslim, and a Catholic priest mm. from Angola because he thought that would lead to some stressful interactions. Mm-hmm. And he didn't tell any of them this at the time, but he also chose them based on hotness. Of course, I was going to say, mm-hmm. is he choosing hot women? Yeah. And hot men as really? well. Okay. Yeah. Okay. He wanted <laughs> nubile, sexy, sexy people who'd have lots of sex mm-hmm. and probably have some fights yeah, as okay. a result. Yeah. Also needed people with certain skills like doctor and radio operator yeah. and photographer Um, And within a few weeks, he'd managed to tick all the boxes Mm. and he'd assembled his crew. He had six women, four men, and they were all super excited to get on board. He put them through some psychological and physical tests to make sure they'd be up to the journey. And he also made them sign contracts to say they would follow 
all of his instructions wow. under all circumstances. It's like raunchy NASA. Yes. It's like they're becoming astronauts. Yeah, they described that. When they really? pushed off on their first day in 1973, they said it was like a space launch. There was heaps wow. of media there. They left from the Canary Islands, mm-hmm. just west of Morocco, and they were dragged out to sea by a little tugboat and all these other boats followed them so they could mm. film the final moments before they disappeared off onto the horizon. Yeah. Like, people were pretty excited about this. It was a major stunt. These 11 people who'd never met each other from 10 different countries coming together and they were going to be spending three months in very dangerous conditions and hopefully coming back with learnings about how we can end war because the (laughs) Vietnam War was still in full swing at this time. Wow, of course. So ending war was something everyone was Curing violence. Yeah. Yeah. so, yeah, it, it was a stunt, but people also took it very yeah. seriously. The UN fully endorsed the project. It like, reminds me of Biosphere. Remember the episode yes. we did about Biosphere 2? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, they got that same sort of hero's yeah. treatment yeah. as they were being sent off. Another reason the media was so interested as well was because the captain of the vessel was a woman, a Swedish oh. woman named Maria. She happened to be the very first woman in the world to earn a professional sea captain's Degree. Go Maria. So this was a bit of a novelty that there was a woman in charge and yeah. at a time when women's liberation was a pretty mm. relevant topic. Um, a lot of people were curious to see how that was going to go. She was the only person that Santiago approached directly to say, I want you involved in this experiment. I yeah. want you to be the captain. He wanted a woman in the top position of leadership because he wanted to see how long that would last. And she naturally had her reservations, thought it seemed pretty mm. dodgy and unsafe. Um, but she decided, let's go. I'll give it a try. For world peace. For the sake of world peace. World peace. To end all wars. Um, Yeah, so they made it out to where the current was running and the Mm. tugboat let them go and off they went. And the only problem they had for the first few weeks was very severe seasickness, Mm, as you can imagine. The seas were rough. And when you're not cutting through the water with Mm. a motor of some sort or any other type of propulsion, it's really, really violent. But apart from that, things were going pretty smoothly and Santiago Mm. got straight to work on his experimentation. All of the subjects was allocated a number and he would observe them all day long, tracked all their activity, took notes on their mood and behaviour, did one-on-one interviews with them all the time. And it was very much like Big Brother in the sense that there were no books, no music, no entertainment. They just had to interact with each other constantly. He tracked the women's periods without their knowledge (laughs) because he wanted to see what impact that had on the temperament of the group. He logged the moon cycle to see if that had any impact on everyone. Mm -hmm. And he also made them fill in questionnaires regularly, some daily, some weekly. Told them all their responses were completely confidential. And they were quite intimate questions like, who do you like the most? Why? Mm. Who are you most attracted to? Why? Who do you like the least? Why? Who do you want to get rid of and why? It's like high school. Yes. (laughs) And he told them, look, you can be completely candid and honest because this goes nowhere after you've filled this in. This is purely for me. He's going to share it, isn't he? I just foreshadowed really obviously, didn't I? And then once everyone started to get over the seasickness, they were having a lot of fun getting to know each other. Like this was a really cool experience. And like I said, the women were the ones in charge. The 
Raft's doctor, the radio operator, the captain, the scuba diver, all female. Mm. And the men were given all the domestic tasks like cooking and cleaning and whatnot. It was, yeah. Yeah. And so everyone was taking turns in shifts. Uh, One of them would steer the boat and there'd have Mm. to be another person who was keeping watch 24 hours Mm. a day. So everyone was sort of rostered on in these pairs. And when everyone else was sleeping during the night shift, that was the only time you could get any sort of privacy. Yeah. And, of course, Santiago tried to pair people up so it was male and female, thinking that was going to lead to Mm. intimate interactions. And he knows who's said who likes who, Mm -hmm. so he can match them. Oh, he's diabolical. This is classic maths. Mm -hmm. And this was the only time that anyone did have sex. And they were very sort of quick about it because it was pretty uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, you had to keep one hand on the rudder at oh all times <laughs> you were going at it. So it wasn't particularly pleasurable for them. So yeah. they didn't do it very much at all. But, yes, that is when the sex happened. Wow. Um, and they checked in with the mainland via radio every couple of days to let mm. them know where they were on course. And Santiago also sent a weekly detailed update to his university about his findings, of which he had very few because everything just ran smoothly. The Mm. women were in charge and life was blissful Mm -hmm. on board. But he was getting really frustrated because he'd engineered the experiment specifically to watch conflict happen, but no one was fighting. They were just getting along and making really good friends. This is why the maths producer said, Mm. you've got to cast the right people. Like, he's going to have to start manufacturing some drama. Um, the only problem that arose after about six weeks, people started complaining they were bored and he was like, here we go, Uh, they're going to start acting out, someone's going to start some drama, but it didn't happen. And Even after six weeks. Yeah. So he was getting more and more frustrated. Um, It felt like, you know, if this just goes smoothly, this study is a failure. Well, then didn't, if if it goes smoothly, he proved how to cure violence, put women in charge. Right. (laughs) That's it. But he's a chauvinist and Uh, he just missed that point completely. He wanted to observe conflict. He didn't realise he could learn as much from observing Mm. peace. Um, So, yeah, the first month and a half was totally chill. The only tension that existed at all was between Santiago and Maria because she could tell he was full of shit. Yeah. She could see that his scientific methods were garbage and so she refused from the beginning to fill in the questionnaires. Yes, go Maria. This is just crap. And so they just avoided each other as much as they could in such a small space. Mm -hmm. Then finally, after six and a half weeks or so, the first instance of conflict happened. And surprise, surprise, it was instigated by Santiago. Mm. Um, Like I said, chauvinist at heart, just couldn't handle women being in Mm -hmm. charge. And when this instance began, the rudder needed to be fixed. Something went wrong with it. And so mm. someone was going to have to jump in the water wearing scuba gear. And, uh, scuba gear? Scuba gear. Scuba gear gear. gear. And uh, fix it. Yeah. And, like, he'd recruited a professional female, yeah. intentionally female diver exactly for mm. this instance occurring. But when the time came to use this woman's skills, he just couldn't handle it. And so he said, no, no, step aside, ladies. This is a job for a man. And he jumped in the water and tried to fix it, but he couldn't. He found it completely Mm. impossible. His mask kept filling up with water and he almost drowned and just failed and failed and failed and failed. I can do the Adele interview. (laughs) No, you can't, Santiago. 
This woman was a professional oh, no. frog woman. Yeah. And he was just splashing around in the water. Reached a point of frustration mm. himself that he decided to give up but refused to let anyone else have a go. He said, no, no, I'm going to do it. I'm just going to give up for the day and I'll do it tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And so then while he was asleep that night, the girls snuck outside. The scuba diver got in her gear. She got under the boat. She fixed the rudder. Everyone went back to bed. Yeah. Then the next morning when Santiago woke up and found out what they'd done, he was furious at them for disobeying him and for emasculating him. Angry at women for not letting him continue to be incompetent. Mm -hmm. Oh, why are men? Why are men? Because they'd signed contracts saying they would follow his instructions, so he was furious at them. Oh, yes, okay. They did sign the contract. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He got very sulky, felt like people weren't taking him seriously enough or the experiment seriously enough, and so to assert his dominance over all of them, He called a meeting on the top deck of the raft and announced he was going to be doing something new. He was going to be sharing the answers everyone had put down on their (laughs) questionnaires. Classic maths move. Mm -hmm. I knew it. He called it the game of truth. Yeah. And obviously... That's pretty much what they call it on maths. (laughs) I can't believe this. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So many of the things he did have gone on to inform reality TV. Yeah. Um, everyone obviously totally mortified, yeah. so scared of what was going to come out. And they hated every second of it while he read out to the entire group who each person thought was most attractive, who each person liked the least. Like, and there was one instance, for example, where he told one woman, so you've put down this guy, Jose, as the person you really want to have sex with that you're most attracted mm. to, which is very funny because he said he thinks you're the most annoying person on the boat oh, because no. you won't shut up and you just talk way, way, way too much. So he'd like to get rid of you. Santiago is like Regina George. Right. Revealing the burn book. hmm Oh, my goodness. Yep. Um, And then he told them all, look, you've got to start confronting each other about these things because I've got to be able to observe you fight. This is why we're here. That didn't work, though. No Mm. one started any sort of conflict that just caused some Mm. hurt feelings and made everyone pretty miserable. And also it made them really dislike and distrust him because he (laughs) lied to them. And then... He started provoking everyone pretty aggressively when they still weren't fighting. So he started insulting them to their face, Mm. waiting for them to fight back. He started telling each other lies about things they'd said Mm. about each other that weren't even on the questionnaires. He'd every now and then just sneak up on someone and throw a bucket of cold water on them (laughs) while they'd be minding their own business. He was doing whatever he could think of to try to make them lash out. See, the thing about this is it's not... Science. I mean, it probably wasn't at, to begin mm. with, but the whole point of doing an experiment is to go in with a hypothesis, a prediction, yep. and then see what happens, yep. no matter what happens. Mm-hmm. And what happened was when women were in charge, things were peaceful and efficient. Mm-hmm. And that's what he should have observed. Yep. Like, he's just, he's just, it seems like he's doing it more for himself than for world peace. Yes. Completely. It's for himself and his ego. This guy is a narcissist. Yeah. He wanted to be proven right Mm. beyond anything else. That's not how science works. That's right. And, like, for example, one of his hypotheses was he'd thought he could pick who was going to hook up with whom. Yeah. And that was part of the selection criteria. Yeah. So he even went up to the two black people on board and said, you guys are supposed to be having sex. I picked (laughs) you because you're meant to be hooking up with each other because you're both black. And 
they what? were absolutely baffled. A, she was married and he was the Catholic priest. Yeah, I was going to say, isn't he the guy from Angola? Yeah. <laughs> He's a priest. Yes. <laughs> but he was acting what? like he was so confused about why they weren't having sex. And that in itself is such a disgustingly racist yes. thing for him to assume that people would hook up based on racial lines. He's a mad scientist. Yeah, and he was just making everyone miserable. They yeah. resented him completely. Then they found out what the newspapers were saying about them back home Ooh. on one of their weekly catch-ups with the mainland. Yeah. Santiago's colleagues told him about how the media was now reporting on the experiment as the sex raft, the love raft. Where did they get that? Where did the media get that from? It seems like just one of them picked up on the fact that, hey, they're all pretty young and hot. And they also think maybe someone from Santiago's university leaked to the press okay. that he was expecting there was going to be a lot of sex happening yeah. on board. And then and that's it just a headline. Takes, yeah, yeah. Exactly. And then it just once one newspaper runs with that, everyone's yeah. going to start doing it and they're going to be more and more sensational. Yeah. And of course, just before they left the Canary Islands, they got all these photos where the girls were in bikinis oh. and the boys were in speedos. <laughs> and so of course. Yeah, it was sort of a titillating story. And you know, a lot of it was just speculation. What's going on on the sex raft yeah. this week? Our sources say, but like, <laughs> they yeah, what sources? Yeah, yeah. Um, sold lots of papers though. Mm. Santiago's university was super embarrassed, so they started publicly denouncing the experiment, oh, saying they no. wanted nothing to do with it going forward. And they said, "We think this is just a disgrace the way things have been handled here, and we wish to distance ourselves mm. from Santiago." So his feelings were very hurt. Mm. He was humiliated. He felt this desperate need to defend his experiment, but at the same time he felt like the experiment had been a flop, even though it wasn't. If he could step back and realise what he could be observing, he would have seen that it was a success. But he felt like he'd learnt nothing about conflict. Um, So he was desperate to find a way in the final weeks to redeem himself and redeem the project. And then an opportunity popped up in the final few weeks before they reached Mexico that he thought was going to be a chance to see how people responded in really, really intense, stressful situations. They were in the Caribbean by this point and they got a warning on the radio that there was a major tropical storm heading their way. And he thought, okay, this is it. We're definitely going to see people start to come into conflict with each other because this is going to be the most stressful thing we've experienced so far on the boat. So he saw the hurricane as a blessing, but of course, Maria, the captain, felt very differently. She was just thinking about safety and survival. So she said, we're going to steer this raft towards some nearby islands, try to make it there before the storm comes. The experiment's going to end early, but it means less risk to Mm. everybody's lives. Mm. And Santiago just refused. He said, no, absolutely not. You will not be changing course. We will not be ending the experiment early. He was so desperate to see how people handled the stress of the storm once it hit. And Maria was like, I'm sorry, I'm the captain. You chose me. It's my decision. And he was like, yeah, you're right. You are the captain because I made you the captain and I can just as easily fire you. So you're fired. I'm in charge now. Does that make you want to go... I'm the captain now. I'm the captain. You know that famous line from... Oh, the um, Tom Hanks movie. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> it's a meme that's ever... Mm-hmm. I'm the captain now. Um, his ego, yeah. he's willing to let them die. Mm-hmm. 
Yes. The gender dynamics here. Totally happy to put all of their lives at risk for his reputation. And it's like, here is the brilliant leader you chose leading in the way you need her to. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Like, you did good, buddy. Uh Uh-huh. Says so much about, I told you you were going to hate him. Hate him. I'm really surprised everyone just went along with that. Because there are 10 people on the boat. Well, we signed a contract. That's so dumb, though. Right? He was putting their lives at risk. They knew it. Throw him over. Mm. But stick his head in the toilet Just hole. Just wait and see. Um, so they got ready to weather the storm. They expected really intense winds and huge waves. Everyone was super scared. They huddled together in the tiny cabin waiting yeah. for the wild weather to hit them, thinking, oh, my God, if we capsize, we are effed. Mm. Seriously thought they could die, but then at the last second the hurricane changed direction and very narrowly missed the raft. So they just got a little bit of rain in the end. Mm. But Santiago had already essentially committed mutiny on Maria Mm. and he was like, I demoted her and I'm just going to stay captain from here on out. And everyone, like, they already resented Santiago for all the things he'd done, but now they were reaching a point where they were like, we actually can't stand you any longer and you put our lives at risk. Mm. We need to get rid of you for our own safety. And so individually they all started fantasising about ways they could kill him and make it look like an accident. Mm. Like what if he just fell overboard or what if he had an accidental drug overdose Mm. or what if we all came up with a pact where we all held on to a knife, like all ten of us put our hands on the knife and drive it into his heart at the same time so we're all culpable. So he kind of has. Yes. Done what he wanted he to do. Got his wish. He he made them violent by making them hate him yes. so much, which wasn't his intention. No, no. But it's his his hypothesis is happening. That's right. Ultimately, the group chose violence. <gasps> he just never could against, have foreseen it. Not would against be each other, against him. him. Yep. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my mm-hmm. god! I'm on the edge of my seat. They had reached a point where they were having quiet conversations with each other about how should we do this? Like it's like survival. Yeah, we could push him overboard and, you know, just tell everyone he fell. it was a terrible yeah. accident. Maybe we could orchestrate a situation where we make it seem like he needs to get an injection of something and that'll knock him out and then we can throw him over. Like they were, what's yeah. the word, conspiring. Mut- yeah, conspiring. Yeah. Forming a mutiny, however yes. you say it. Precisely. Mut- mutinizing. Yeah, mutineering? Mutineering. Mm. It's, um, they should do what they do on planes when um, Karens go crazy about having to wear a mask and throw massive tantrums and then the air, the air flight attendants uh, duct tape them to their seat. Yeah. They just need to tie him down and feed him once a day. Yeah. Um, I mean, they should have just ignored him from the start. I guess. As a narcissist, that would yeah. have been the worst way so true. to punish him. So right? true. They just acted like he was invisible. Yeah. Anyway, we'll never actually know if they would have gone through with it <gasps> in the end. Because a couple within a couple of days of the hurricane situation, yeah. something happened that solved the problem peacefully. So early one morning, the person who was on lookout mm-hmm. spotted this giant oil freighter, like 50 stories high oil freighter coming yeah. directly towards them. Like they were in its path, they couldn't move, and it seemed like the person who was steering the freighter mm. couldn't see them. So the person on lookout woke everyone else up and Santiago, the fearless leader, the man who declared himself captain, went into full-on panic mode. Yep. He was just running around the raft, screaming hysterically and waving his arms, which was 
helping absolutely yeah. no one. So Maria jumped into action. She kept her cool and she started instructing people on what to do. Like you go get some flares and wave them mm-hmm. around. You wave some flags around. You get on the bullhorn and make mm-hmm. as much noise as you can. You jump on the radio. Maybe see if you can get someone yeah. on the deck in there. Um, and thanks to her leadership, at the very last second, the freighter was able to change <gasps> direction, just very narrowly missed oh the raft. Goodness. And they filmed this, by the way. <gasps> you can actually Stop see the footage it. of them just missing the back end of the oh. freighter. Um, yeah, and so from that moment on, of course, they were incredibly relieved and then everyone was just like, yeah, we're with Maria. Yeah, we're following yeah. her. This guy's absolutely useless and he could sense it and he just went into a very deep depression yeah. from that point. Oh, sulky mode. Yes. Male sulky mode. Told everyone he was sick, couldn't oh, interact with them, oh, stayed in bed all day, oh, every bunny. day. Yeah. Oh, classic, classic. I can do the Adele interview and then male sulky mode. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they could tell. He was faking it, mm-hmm. but they were thrilled. He was leaving yeah, them alone. Just out of the way. So the final week and a half of the trip, life was great. He basically wasn't there anymore mm. and they could just have fun with each other. And it was blissful. They really enjoyed their time to the point where they all said, we didn't want the trip to end. That final week and a half was so great. We could have turned around and gone and done another three months after we dropped him off in Mexico. <laughs> um, so, yeah, they finally arrived. It had been 101 days Oof. at sea. And they were greeted by their loved ones mm. and by the media, who, of course, wanted all the sexy details. And they were sort of like, oh, no. No orgies. Mm. Sorry to disappoint you, everyone. Like, yeah, I'm disappointed. You promised orgies. I said the media were talking about orgies. Right. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I mean, for a lot of them, they were like, no, I just actually wasn't attracted to anyone. Yeah. Um, I'm married. Yeah. (laughs) And they were like, it was just the least sexy environment Mm. because part of their questionnaire was how often do you masturbate on the Akali? And most of them were like, not oh, no. All. No, no, no. Your fingers are all salty. Yeah. That'd be so gritty. The smells. Yeah, like, no, yeah. Nothing about this place is a turn on at all. You don't want the word gritty and masturbation <laughs> together, you know? It just doesn't go. Mm-mm, mm-mm. Um, before they all went home, they had one final meeting on board the raft and mm. Santiago asked them to do one final questionnaire about their experience. Mm-hmm. All 10 participants told him that he was the worst part of the trip. <laughs> they used words like brutal, rude, authoritative. Like they didn't hold back yeah. and said he was incredibly disrespectful to Maria and that was the mm. worst moment on the boat when he demoted her. And so <laughs> this is on tape. Like you can hear the, he recorded that meeting with everyone yeah. and he gave this unbelievably weak, reluctant apology to everyone that came, of course, with a but. So I'm very uh-huh. sorry if I did come across that way, but I didn't actually think I was being impolite to anyone at any point on the boat and they all just sort of went, okay. See, he's too dumb to even come up with a good excuse. He could say, but it was all an act mm. to foster an attitude of conflict. Mm-hmm. He's not even smart enough to come up with a good excuse for being insufferable. Right. Ugh. Could have blamed it on science, but no, just kind of denied it even happened. So everyone went home to their normal lives. The media sensation died down after a couple of months. Mm. They all stayed in touch with each other, but like all intense friendships, that tends to dwindle Mm. over the course of the years. He went on to write a book about the journey, Santiago did, and 
he tried really hard to give the experiment a positive spin mm. and kept telling the media that it was such a great experience. He'd recommend everyone try heading out on their own raft across the ocean someday because you just learn so much about yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and he kept working on research and aggression and violence in different studies for the rest of his career and eventually he and the people he worked with declared that their findings were that violence is not an innate biological impulse in humans. It's just a personal choice. Anyone can choose yeah. to avoid conflict. Um, and basically if someone's a dick, they're mm. going to do dickhead things. And not surprisingly. And a perfect example of that. Yeah, and not surprisingly when women are in charge, things go a lot more peacefully and efficiently. Mm. Which should have been the headline yes. of the experiment. Yes. Right? Like... <laughs> All four men, apart from Santiago, were perfectly happy to follow the lead of the women. He was the only one that had an issue because it's an individual problem. Mm. Someone's going to dick. If someone's a dick, they're going to cause problems. Yeah. Um, He lived until 2013. Oh, wow. Yep. Um, And, yeah, he kept talking about it as the peace project, but everyone just calls it the sex raft. The sex raft. (laughs) You Google the sex raft, it is just pictures of the Akali. Yeah. And then a few years ago, a Swedish filmmaker was reading a book about the most bizarre science experiments in yeah. history. And there was a chapter in the book about the Akali and mm. how nuts it was. And straight away he was like, I need to know more. I really think there could be a movie here. And mm. he got in touch with Maria, also a Swedish person. And at first she didn't want to participate at all. She had no interest in digging up that part of her past. She'd put it all behind her. But then she watched one of the filmmaker's previous documentaries and decided he was someone that she felt she could trust. So she helped him get in touch with all the other crew members who were still alive. So he brought seven of them together (gasps) and they rebuilt the Akali using all the specs from the original. And he filmed them on the Akali (gasps) discussing their experiences. After how many years? 50. Oh, what? Almost 50 years, yeah. Wow. Um, Yeah, and that movie came out in 2018. It's incredible because it's interspersed with original footage that was taken on the journey Um, and then them in current day talking about their own memories of what happened and they read through the questions that were in the questionnaire and some of the answers they'd put down. They look at some of the um, spreadsheets Mm. that Santiago had been using to track things like their periods, their moods, things he was observing (laughs) about them. Like it's it's wild. And of course, they're all super old, but super cute. And you see like two of them talking about how nice it was when they had sex one time when they were <laughs> on watch together and that they wish they'd had the chance to do it more. Aww. And yeah, it's, it's really great. It's called The Raft. Yeah. It came out in 2018. I probably already said that. I'm dying to highly, watch that. I highly recommend it. You can get it on YouTube. Okay. So if you pay like five bucks yeah, to watch yeah, it, yeah. it's 100% worth it. Give the filmmakers your money. Yeah sensational and I'll give some links to some really great articles as well and also the BBC did a series of interviews with some of the participants as well so they're quite good to listen to um yeah I mean if you really want to you could track down Santiago's book which puts Eh, a positive spin on the experiment but um, yeah (laughs) I didn't bother that was so good it's wild right it was like married at first sight it Mm -hmm. was like love island it was like survivor all in one. Right. In the 70s on a raft. Mm-hmm. It kind of sucks that people just refer to it as the sex raft because it actually is 
way more interesting than yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. For a lot of the participants, they were very disappointed that it just yeah. became this tabloidy thing that was sort of disposed and that the university tried to distance themselves from it because they were like, So we much did to be learned epic. still. Like, yeah, people should be picking this apart more yeah. and really getting to understand what happened and what we could do better in the world based on what we learned here. Because, like, thinking about the fact that they all spoke different languages, mm. they all came from very different cultures and it was such a intense situation and also they all had a common enemy yeah like there's so much that they could pick apart there and yeah it's sort of been ditched and became this novelty stunt that happened not only because not only did they resort to violence or at least violent inclinations Mm. They were planning to murder someone. Right. Like that's the most violent thing you can think and of they doing. they speak about it quite openly. <laughs> like they didn't do it so they didn't yeah. commit a crime. But, yeah, they're very candid about the fact that we thought it was him or us. He yeah. was putting our lives at risk very willingly. <gasps> yeah. Oh, my God, that was Nuts. so good. Yeah. That was such a good so just the gist. JTG. Of, of the sex raft. The orgy raft. The, the love raft. Sex raft. I, th- I just think it's. The maths raft. It is just, it was maths before maths. I've never seen maths because I've never been interested. It's now amazing. That I know that it's like this. I'm a little more It is. Tempted. And you know what it is? It's like this, but run by an incredibly brilliant, capable woman who knows what she's doing. Uh-huh. And so maths is like what he wanted, but she's doing it right. Mm-hmm. Oh, I wish I could remember her name. She's done a bunch of interviews. She's this awesome executive producer of maths and... Yeah, it's it's that. Oh my god, mm. I'd need to watch this raft movie. Yeah. You can imagine this is exactly the sort of career he would have today, right? He would have skipped science and gone straight into reality TV production. Yeah, but he would have done a reality TV show that was like really crap and no one wanted to watch because he's not good at it. Mm. See, she like maths lady, amazing. He would have done like you know something one about Miriam. Yeah, one season of something like that. Mm, yeah. Really trashy. Have you listened to that podcast? Not yet. Uh, what's Have it you? called? Yes, I finished it. Harsh Reality. Uh-huh. And remember, okay, if you're you if you're our age, you might remember it. I barely remembered it. The there was a reality show called There's Something About Miriam, and it was basically like The Bachelorette, but the big reveal at the end of the show was that Miriam was actually trans. Mm. And um this podcast, Harsh Reality, hosted by Tracy Lissette, a brilliant um, trans actress, um, just goes into deep dives into how that show came to be and how awful it all turned out. And mm. um, and it, it's fascinating to listen to. Mm. Oh, I can't wait for you to finish it so we can talk about it. Yes, I'm going to get back into it. And yeah. I can't wait for you to finish Yellow Jackets. Oh, oh, oh. it's so close. I've got one episode to go. Oh. Oh. This is kind of like Yellow Jackets too, especially that they go back yeah. years later yeah, and... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Meet again and oh my god. Anyway, yes. yes, everyone, watch Yellow Jackets. It's amazing. Listen to Harsh Reality, which is amazing. Couple little records there at the end. Yeah. For and come you. to our show. And come to the show. Yes. Uh, oh well, it's no point telling you to come, Canberra, because it'll be over by mm-hmm. the time you hear this. Yeah. Um, Friday sold out. But Adelaide, we're in you next. Uh, Adelaide, we're in you next. next. And we just put. Uh, a couple more shows on because yes. we sold out so there's a lot more tickets to Adelaide now so buy them please yeah, because we'll you them. asked for them and uh, we'll see you there in yeah. Rads and in all the other places too yeah yeah it's going to be so fun bye bye
listener.